Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Michaela Lindinger about building agile leadership capacities and capabilities to drive successful change management initiatives. Kayla Lindiger, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hello, nice to have you. Thank you for having me, actually, Jonathan. Yeah, it is so wonderful to have a chance to talk with you today. Uh, as we get started, I just want to share a, a brief bio uh, about Michaela, uh, who hails from Austria, which is uh, uh, such a, a fun place, uh, and uh, it's great to have a chance to, to talk and get your perspective uh, on all things related to agile leadership today. Michaela Lindiger is founder and CEO of BrainSpa, an executive sparring and employee experience company guiding visionary leaders to max their healthy, high performance with more clarity, productivity, and passion. Michaela worked with Fortune 500 organizations around the world on digital strategies and large scale change projects, value creation, and product as well as process innovations and multi-million dollar projects. She has also worked with several startups and corporate talents to prepare their mindset for the digital transformation and adjusting their business models to become agile and purpose-driven. Michaela is a millennial serial founder, uh, three-time CEO and co-founder, and experienced corporate executive, mompreneur, author, and university lecturer and professor of innovation and business models since the age of 29 a member of the International Forbes Council and the International Society for Coaching Psychology. She holds an international business master's degree from Austria and a master's degree in coaching psychology from the UK in London. Uh, again, such a wonderful uh, background, great experience, and welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Thank you. I'm very much looking forward to our conversation here today. Um, as we get started, is there anything else you would like to add? Uh, to to help the listeners get to know you a little bit better before we jump in? Well, I think you've already covered quite, quite a few things. Um, probably maybe one thing to add is that what I always say is, you know, on the one hand, um, I have a corporate background. I always say I speak corporate-ish, you know, if that was a language. And on the other hand, I'm like a three-time three founder. Um, I've served on boards of larger organizations, but also worked a lot of startups. I've had my own startups. Um, I, I sold some of them and some of them I still have. So I think, you know, coming towards our topic of agile today is probably something that I've experienced firsthand, first row as a founder, but it also work a lot with corporates, seeing and understanding the challenges that they're facing because they're just, you know, corporate structures are completely different. They are probably not anything like agile. And I think in that combination, this is where I know that there is so much potential that's currently not really used. But I think this is 
yeah, part of my story to have actually seen both worlds and um, yeah, I'm trying to bring those together. That's probably the only thing I would like to add here. That's, that's wonderful and that's a really good framing for it too. And I think you're right, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's two different worlds when you're talking about startups and scaling versus large bureaucratic mature organizations um, that often are kind of the antithesis of agile. Um, and, Absolutely. And, but but the principles are, are still very important for them to consider as they're going through change processes. Uh, right. And so yeah. being able to bring that perspective um, from, from a, a startup mentality back to corporate, I think is really important. And, and that's what we're going to explore today. Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, let's, let's start off um, by talking about uh, decision makers and organizations of any type. Um, mm -hmm. They face many challenges. Of course, right now we're in the middle of a global pandemic, so that's an extra challenge added upon mm. already existing complexities and uh, hyper-competitive international markets and, and everything that organizational leaders have already always had to, to uh, grapple with. Um, but what, mm -hmm. what do you see as the biggest challenges to organizations and decision makers today, uh, particularly if they're going to start trying to think along the agile uh, framework? Yeah, so I, I think that the question around challenges, especially these days where everybody is so busy with all the special additional challenges that the, the pandemic and the COVID-19 crisis brought upon us, um, I think probably if you talk to business leaders, they could give you a, a gazillion things of challenges they're facing today. But what I'd like to do is really to kind of like, you know, put that pandemic specialty challenge thing aside for a second, because I think that's kind of like covered a lot of stuff, but this is not what, you know, it's, agile topics have been even there before the pandemic and they've not really been taken care of well enough. So, you know, just to frame that here, I'd love to leave out this crisis thing for a second, you know, just <laughs> for a couple of minutes here and really look at the regular sure. type of business as we used to have it. So when we look at the challenges that organizations face when it comes to this whole agile thing is, I always try to distinguish um, on, on, on two dimensions. So the one thing is really the organizational dimension, and the other one is a very personal, the leader's dimension on a personal level. And I'd like to cover the, the organizational dimension first. So when you look at the organization, and obviously you could probably list 50 things here, but what I always see with clients I work with, with organizations I see, especially with corporates, what I always see they, they struggle most with are basically three, four things. So the first one is really that they face the challenge when it comes to their business model. And with the business model, I'm not talking about, you know, that, oh, we don't know what we produce and what's our USP. That's not the challenge they face. The challenge they face is really to say, what actually is our business model? I mean, they understand what their products are, right? But what's the model under behind, if you look at it from a business model canvas perspective, you know, to really have those dimensions crystal clear available in all heads is something that I see many, many corporates struggle with and not just on the new entrance level. I'm talking to a lot of CEOs and board members and you know, don't get me wrong, but funny enough, even there, sometimes they have not the same view upon their business model, the as is, not even to talk about the to be. So I think one dimension from an organizational perspective is to really get clear or are we clear on our business model today and then on a second step, and that's actually a completely different story to say, are we clear on our business model in the future? And you know, if there is a gap or if there is adjustment needed, then what is, or what, how do we get there? 
So I think that business model dimension is one that I think is, is part of this whole agile discussion because this is where things get a bit you know, squeaky <laughs> and where things get a bit stuck, right? The second dimension on orga level is I think really that, and, and I know we've had it over and over again, and whether it's HR people or finance people or CEOs, they can't hear it anymore, but it's really a talent dimension. So I think it's really that thing. I mean, I'm a millennial myself. And when I started to get, you know, enter the work, works ecosystem, they said, oh, we have a war for talent. We've had that for 10 years. I'm like, well, this is cool. You know, if you're a talent and there is a war for you, well, well you know, you're, you're lucky somebody wants to hire you. But I think that has not changed the last 15 years or 20 years almost. And I think it's getting tougher and tougher where, you know, with these challenges, with these fast moving situations, basically. And the last thing is what I see um, as a big on, on an organizational level is that what had happened in the past is that organizations had to deal with complicated things. You know, things got more complicated, whether on the technology side or on the, how they approach market from local to regional to global uh, and back to regional and to local again. So they, they had to face com complicated things and complicated, you can always solve that with more off, you know, more money, more people, more production plans, I don't know, more markets to serve more countries. But what we see in that, call it, digital transformation, digitally times ahead of us, is that we are facing complex. And complex, you cannot solve with more of. Complex, you need to solve with completely different perspectives and approaches. And I think these, you know, and probably there's a thousand others, but those are the three, um, I would say, big challenges that I see many, many corporates facing today, and they don't really find good answers to handle them. And then on top, we have like a, a personal level from a leader's perspective, because obviously we, we all know that, you know, companies sometimes as good as a good leadership is within this company. And I think on a, on a leadership, on a very personal C level or C minus one level, we face on the one hand that fear of trial and error, because we've never been incentivized for trial and error. We have never been, you know, given any bonus because we failed more than the other buddy in our leadership team. Um, and I think this is something I see a lot of my clients, like, you know, 45 all the way upwards uh, towards the end of their, um, their life as CEOs, so to say, they are struggling. They're really struggling with this. I'll give it a try and I see how it works out. Uh, and this is important. You know, we, we, and, and this is actually the second thing that this old structure of doing your annual or biweekly, a biannual or five-year strategic planning and your summer strategy sessions, that's gone. You know, you need to go in much short, shorter, if at any, planning cycles. It's actually more a review and a brainstorming cycle rather than a, you know, budget forecasting type thing. And I think, you know, with, with, with that combination of seeing leaders being faced with challenges that actually ask them to have a completely different approach. They've not learned that at business school, whatever Ivy League program they really did, they've not been incentivized in their past career, and they've probably not been hired to be the trial and error CEO in the new company. I think that compared with what I mentioned earlier about an organization level, this is you know, a little bit of a, a, a tough cookie here that, that organizations need to face when before we even touch the agile way of doing things. Yeah, you, well, you bring up a bunch of really important points there. Uh, one of the things I really keyed in on and what you said just a couple minutes ago was about how, particularly in larger organizations, they're already very complex. And if you're trying mm -hmm. to solve complexity by building more complexity on top of it, 
um, you're probably not going to solve your problems. Uh, and, and so what's the answer to that? I mean, part of the answer to that is you mentioned digital transformation. So, so leveraging technologies to help us simplify processes, um, practices, procedures that will allow us to be more responsive in real time. Um, what do you see in addition to embracing uh, digital technologies for digital transformation? What, what do you see as like the main skill sets that, mm. that senior leaders need to be developing, adopting, what, uh, to, to be ready for this kind of new environment? Mm-hmm. I think absolutely valid question here. And um, I might have a bit of a provocative answer <laughs> to the digital transformation because when I was like back in, in 2010, um, I came back from my maternity leave. And back then I was working with large corporates and I was part of a large uh, consultancy on strategy and innovation work. And back in 2010, at least in, in Central Europe, um, digital transformation is a buzzword, you know, we're just putting that under parentheses here. Digital transformation was a lot related to Google Glasses and AI and, and bots and you know, all kinds of technology things. But barely anybody actually looked at the people dimension of digital transformation. And, and I was like the one thing, hey guys, I think, you know, there is something related to people that we need to watch out for. And that was not a very popular thing to say. Now, fast forward, I think what we see today is that I spoke to to a guy from Silicon Valley the other day about AI and, and, you know, the human dimension in AI. And the funny thing was that he actually said technology, there is, I don't want to say there is nothing we can't solve yet, but more or less, you know, if you bring the right people to the table, technology limitation or technological limitations are not really there anymore. There's always, you know, it's improving so fast. But what is there is that the skills that we really need on a, on a people, on a talent level, these are the things where I personally think we need to focus on when we really want to look at which skills are needed for the digital transformation. And if you break that down, the funny thing is what, what I always see um, and, and what there is a lot of studies out there that actually show the same is it's not complicated things. Sometimes the skills we need to master that digital transformation they're, I would call it so basic that we kind of like, we, we unlearned them. We initially had them, you know, when we were little basically, but over the course of whatever education system we went through, we somehow unlearned them. And maybe I just, you know, point out a few so we have, get a feeling of what we are talking about here. Like one, for example, is the skill to vision, to envision something, to build a great vision, to communicate a vision. And a vision is not a two-year budget plan, you know? A vision is something where you talk in pictures, where you don't talk in market shares, where you don't talk in KPIs, where you don't talk in revenue shares, but you talk in pictures. And I think that that vision, that North Star, that if I look at the startup world, I mean, they can tell you the vision they have, and it's not just the founder team. It's like whether they are 10 or 50 people, um, short or big, whatever, they can all, they all have the same North Star they are turning to and they're directing their attention to. In larger organizations, hmm, you know, they have values that are, <laughs> I don't know, in front of the CEO's office on the wall, but that's not a vision. So I think that skill to, to create a vision and to communicate that in a way that people 
feel like passionate to follow that and to give their best to achieve this vision. Although it's not crystal clear yet what that means for the next marketing campaign or what that means for the next product enhancement. That's not the point. The, the ability to, to create a vision, I think, is something, I mean, my daughter was little and she had crazy things about how she learned to fly and, you know, how she has a flying horse and things. Well, you know, you can't see that never happening, but at least for her, it was a cool picture, right? And I think the second thing in terms of skills that that we that we really need to create and to foster to in order to survive and well survive first and then hopefully to master that digital transformation is what I call collaborative problem solving. And it it sounds so simple, but this ability and, and all the way towards incentivizing people that it's not about them solving the problem individually, but about that human almost the USP co-create to collectively solve things. I think that's also so natural. If you look at, I mean, back to kids, you know, if you look at kindergarten groups, they're trying to build things together and they have ideas and they shape it and they discuss and they argue. And then you enter kind of like the school and the, you know, the later on education university, and you're never incentivized for collaborating at an exam with anybody, right? But then you enter the workforce and all of a sudden it's like, oh, can you guys do a creative workshop and just, you know, bounce ideas? So what, I, what I'm trying to say here is I think things are initial human that are actually, they were here when we were little. We kind of like got them, I don't know if that's a proper English term, untrained, so to say, over the course of our top level education. And I think personally, if we want to master that digital transformation, we want to master that complexity, this is where we need to go back to and incentivize people and also retrain them on how to collaborate and how to actually work together more than just say, hey, we are project team, I do this and you do that, and I don't know, Susan does the third part. That's not collaboration, right? And I think the last but not least is really that what I mentioned earlier and, and with, with business model thinking, I think you know, probably add a bit of a spin to, to being in a, in a very agile situation, not to say a, a large corporate is so large and so complex, as you said earlier, you cannot try in this fast-paced, fast-moving future to structure it and to control it and to maneuver it in a way that you've done it in the, in the industrial age, right? So you have to go back to really understand the vision, have people collaborating, hope they, their relationship with them is built on trust, and then really let them go and do their thing in a smaller unit that you cannot kind of like control with all, I don't know, communication levels and KPI levels and P&L levels. But you really have to probably look at it from a more, um, not from a centralized, but more from a decentralized perspective. And I think when you look at it from a business model perspective, it's crystal clear, you know, you could have some part of the organization work on that part of the business model or on this specific business model and others just work on a different approach. And I think those are, for me, skills that are on an, on an individual level, but again, also on an organizational level. I think this is a real challenge here that you cannot just do the organization and leave out the individual and vice versa. You really have to do both in parallel. I think this is where a lot of organizations are struggling with, actually. Yeah, well, that's, that's, I completely agree. That's great. And we have to remember the technologies, when we talk about digital transformation, you hit, I think you hit the nail on the head that the, these are tools to enhance 
the work that people do, um, but you still need creative, innovative, collaborative people behind the scenes to implement mm. the technology, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. and exactly. so, and too often I've seen organizations, I've seen leaders feel like, oh, we're just going to implement um, this new technological system, you know, to address mm-hmm. our problem, and that's going to fix everything. Uh, well, that's that's so silly. It's it's naive. Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. simply it not. It's simply not going to work that way. Uh, not only are you going to come up with a bunch of resistance from from internal stakeholders and employees as you go through that that uh, that tech uh, system shift, um, mm-hmm. and that that's a whole different challenge. You know that we could talk about that that you have to address. <laughs> but yeah, but you have to remember mm-hmm. that it's the people that will be driving the technology. Uh, the technology mm-hmm. doesn't run itself. It doesn't um, fix itself. It doesn't debug. It doesn't yeah. debug itself. You, it doesn't come up. The, the technology doesn't come up with its new, um, its new innovations itself. It's it's the people mm-hmm. behind it that does all of that. Um, right. And and so you know we can embrace the technology. We should be embracing the technology because it mm-hmm. it can enhance our lives in many wonderful ways. It can enhance the productivity and efficiency of the workplace in a lot of ways. As long as we don't forget those core um, fundamental people components that are essential mm-hmm. to any successful organization. And you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, a few minutes ago, uh, about trial and error. That is so, so important. And that's my experience too. I, most places I, I've worked with, they, they not only don't incentivize any sort mm-hmm. of trial and error, they actively punish it. Because if- oh, any, yeah if anyone were to try something and it doesn't work out, then, you know, people get fired or they don't get their yearly bonus or whatever. And so people play it safe. And when people are playing it safe, they're not being creative. They're not pushing the envelope. They're not innovating. So like you Mm -hmm. said, you create smaller agile teams that can fall forward, fail fast. Um, You can try new things out. And then if it works, then you can start to replicate. And if it doesn't work, Mm -hmm. then you learn from it. And then you move on. Um, and, and that learning is, sorry for interrupting you, but that learning is about as worthy as if it went all the way through the roof, right? So because that learning has probably a lot of potential in there that you could actually leverage. And unfortunately, learning does not turn, you know, doesn't result in, an, in, an, in some sort of revenue that doesn't show up on the financials. But actually, if we had a way to, I don't know how to, to monetize the, the learning potential we've just had, you know, that we actually uncovered, that would probably be a completely different thing, right? Well, yeah, and it, you're absolutely right that it doesn't show up financially, at least in the short term. But when you create, yeah, the, in the when short you, term. yeah, when you create that kind of a culture of, of trial and error, of incentivizing risk taking, yeah, reasonable yeah. risk taking, right? Um, and, and learning as you go, as you create that culture, you create a learning organization, um, you Mm. create, that's what drives an innovative organization. And that will long-term reap huge benefits because you're going to come up with new, new products and services, new efficiencies, um, things that you hadn't ever even conceived of before. And so you, like you said, you might have this initiative that is a complete failure. You fall flat on your face, but in the process of doing that, you learned these three things that are going to be essential to the next initiative. Um, exactly. To do it successful, successfully. Yeah. Um, and, 
Go ahead. Yeah, and I once had it. Sorry, just a quick story I'd like to share here. I once was speaking to a very, very innovative um, CEO of a large corporate here in, in, in Europe. And I was like saying, you know, how, let me ask you this. I said, you know, you're collaborating with cool organizations. You're collaborating with startups. You're giving your people um, such a great, I always call it space to do that trial and error and not to punish them. And I mean, they have an incredibly cool company culture and it's not a huge organization, but they're, I think, close to a thousand people. So it's not a small one either. And I asked him, let's say, you know, how do you actually convince your CFO? Because he's a CEO and, and, you know, he was not the youngest, I have to say. And he said, you know, it's very easy. Um, if you have like 10 opportunities to learn and you know that you just want all 10 of them to be like the hockey stick success story. He's like, this is unrealistic. Everybody knows that. So that's not a difficult one to argue. But then he says, if you had the, like, you know, the glass thingy where you look into and you know which one of those 10 is the one that's the hockey stick and which one is the one that's just the big loser, you would just pick the hockey stick, right? But that he said then the tricky thing is you need all 10 until you know which one was the hockey stick and which seven or eight or maybe nine but just the crappiest thing you've ever had, right? So he really looked at it almost from an investor's perspective, like as if he was a startup investor to say, okay, I need to invest in, in 10 small organizations because I need all 10 to have a good ratio of having one or two that's kind of like do the flat thing, seven, eight that kind of like do the <laughs> dip down all the way, never seen again. And then of course, there's always one out of 10 as a ratio to say, hey, this is the cool thing, whether it's a hockey stick or it's you know a steep curve upwards, that's what you want to have. But he said so, so brilliantly clear, you cannot just trust and hope you're right and do all your analysis to pick that one. He said you need to spread it and if you do that right, obviously one in 10 is a good ratio you want to have. And I think this is a complete different mindset than how we do, how we did business cases in the, in the past and how we did ROI, you know, calculations in the past. Absolutely. Um, and that one, that one successful initiative will fund the other nine, right? Absolutely. Uh, and, and beyond. And so, yeah. so we can't lose sight of that. And it's, it's, mm. it is interesting because we come from the mindset of, you know, if you only had one out of 10, that's only 10%. That's failing. Five out of 10, <laughs> five out of 10 is failing, you know? Yeah. And, and so you, there's just kind of this expectation that you'd have to get, you know, mm. seven out of 10, that, that's a C. Um, yeah, I was about if, to say that's on, on, on university level, that's not about failing, but that's not about succeeding either, right? <laughs> exactly. But, but, you know, I, I start to think of it like in terms of, of baseball. Um, Major League Baseball, a, a really great hitter hits only about 30% of the time. <laughs> uh, the rest of the time they get out, they get out. But you know what? They're, they're still amazing. And it's because it's just mm. so difficult. Same thing in innovation. Like you're, there's going to be misses. Right. There's going to be misses and Absolutely. things. You throw spaghetti against the wall and some stuff doesn't stick. Um, and that's okay. <laughs> and it's not necessarily because it's even a bad idea or because you know, maybe the technology's not there yet, or maybe, maybe it's a, it's a transformational idea, but the market isn't there yet. Um, exactly. and so it's something that can be revisited. And so, um, yeah. so I think as long as we keep that mindset, then we can really leverage the potential of our people. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Michaela, we're about out of time. Uh, it's been a true pleasure talking with you today before we finish up. How, and, and I should say too, we haven't had nearly enough time because this has been a really interesting <laughs> conversation. And I know you have a lot more to share. Um, so perhaps we can do this again uh, sometime mm -hmm. soon. Sure. 
Happy to do so. Before we leave today, though, um, can you share with the listeners a little bit more about like where they can find more about you, learn more about your business mm -hmm. and the work that you do? Sure, sure. So the one thing is uh, learn more about the business and what I do. I think, um, you know, the easiest thing is to reach out to me on LinkedIn and to connect. And obviously, um, there is a bit of an idea of what I've done in the past. Um, I'm also happy to see you visit my uh, company page. It's braininspa.com. So brain, like, you know, the part of your body that does all the high performance in like IN and spa, like the nice area in the hotel where we go for recreation and for, for the healthy part, right? Um, and I think what would also like to cover here is maybe just one, one, last, one last point. As I mentioned earlier, it's about, you know, digital transformation and that agile thing is the one thing on the organizational and one thing on the individual level. And uh, what I do is with a lot of leaders um, and what I've recently launched is what I call the Be Me, the core four. It's your body, your emotion, your mind, and your executive career that you need to work on them simultaneously and, you know, don't need to work on them by go reading books. But really, you know, go for a sparring partner and have that human interaction also when you are trying to build those, um, you know, initial human skills. I think this is probably something uh, that I focus a lot and there's lots of information out there. You can find it on my website or you should read out to me on, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm very much looking forward to any questions that might come up after you've listened to our conversation here. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Michaela. It, is, it has been... Thanks. Uh, fascinating discussion. I look forward to having the chance to talk with you again soon. Enjoy the beautiful Absolutely. Austrian summer. I will. And all and, the best to you, Jonathan. Yes. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.